0: I would like to begin by acknowledging the Wajak Noongar people, the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Post Party Project. So, I anyone who's listened to my solo episode from last week, I had my hens party over the weekend, which was awesome. Um, yeah, the girls surprised me, so started off by me going to get my hair done in the morning and then I went to my girlfriend's house and yeah one of my friends drove me to the venue and it was this beautiful venue on the water. Um, We had brunch there, which was so nice. I had all of my girlfriends there. Um, we played that game where usually you do shots, but obviously being pregnant, there were no shots, but you know, they asked, they they had asked my partner, Jared, a whole bunch of questions and then they asked me the questions and I had to answer whether I got them right or wrong. So yeah, that was pretty funny um so anyway yeah then after that we stayed at the venue for a while and then people kind of started um like leaving as the brunch and stuff had finished and then a group of my other girlfriends surprised me with a night at the crown so yeah then we went to the hotel checked in spent the afternoon by the pool um and then that night we went to a rooftop bar and then we got some pizzas delivered to our room and we watched a movie we literally were all asleep by 10 o'clock I think and I don't even think I was the first one asleep (laughs) but yeah it was so fun I'm so I was just feeling so grateful I'm so thankful for all my girlfriends for organizing that and like pivoting when i found out i was pregnant and making it pregnant friendly um but yeah this week's been a big one as well we left the crown on sunday and i just felt so exhausted just from the massive day and then the rest of this week the start of this week sorry i've just been super tired i've just i feel really run down again um yeah i think i'm gonna get my bloods done again for my Twenty week appointment coming up, so that'll be good just to check how I'm going every with everything nutrient wise. Um, but we've got some exciting news. Anyone who listened to my solar episode, you'll know we put an offer on a house and we got the house. We got finance approved, so very exciting. I just feel so disjointed at the moment, living between. I'm living. We're living at my mum's house and also at Jared's parents' house, and we're kind of just jumping between both houses at the moment and it just oh I'm just really getting over just how much of a mess my life feels and I just feel like it's hard to get into a routine and to really focus on any of the work stuff that I want to get done but yeah I feel like the light's at the end of the tunnel and we've been so grateful that we've had such open supportive parents who are also happy to have the three of us and our dog Um, so yeah we what do we have Jared's got his bucks party on this weekend next weekend on the 11th we're doing a little family wedding reception kind of thing and then the weekend after we go to queensland for two weeks for a little honeymoon so yeah then we get back and we get to move into our new house but i will update you all as we go i'm very excited um But anyway, let's get into today's episode. So, in today's chat, I have spoken with the lovely Grayson. Now, Grayson had a pretty bumpy pregnancy. So, um, it's pretty interesting. I was hooked the whole time. She ended up having male, they ended up having male and female infertility factors. So, they ended up doing IVF. And they took the IVF a step further and did ICSI, I C S I, which um, Grayson explains all of that in our chat, what that is if you don't know. Um, She also got Vasa Previa. She got diagnosed with that, which is a vessel running over the cervix. So that kind of changed the whole outlook of the rest of her pregnancy. She ended up having a massive stay in the hospital for, I think she mentioned it to be about a month or so, but. She says it all in the chat and we chat about the need for postpartum support and setting boundaries once you've had your little one. Um, Grayson speaks of her experience with that and yeah, it's really, yeah, really great. I think she gives some really awesome tips on how to handle that next stage of life. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're interested in coming on and having a chat with me, just contact me at the Post Party project on Instagram or the at gmail.com. And yeah, if you feel like spreading some love, I would love a review on Apple iTunes. But yeah, let's get into today's chat. Thanks so much for joining me today, Grace. And I'm so excited to hear all about your pregnancy and birth and postpartum. So yeah, thanks for coming on to share. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to share everything. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to give us a little bit, um, like let us know a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, so
1: um, my name's Grayson, I am 26, I live in Townsville with my partner Corey, um, and I have two dogs and a little cat. Um, We were trying for a baby for two and a half years, ended up needing to do IVF, Um, and now we have our little bub Mackenzie, she's 10 months old now. Um, So yeah, I work in childcare, so... A um, little bit of experience with bubs, um, which has been so helpful. Um, but, yeah, very different being mm. a parent compared to working with other people's kids. But <laughs> I have loved it so
0: much. Oh, awesome. So working in childcare, did you just always know that you wanted to have a family?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure.
0: So how was your IVF journey?
1: Yeah, so um, we it was male and female factor infertility. So we definitely needed to do IVF. Um, We ended up going, like, this step further and doing ICSI, um, so, like, another step further um, of IVF. But uh, we did the first round. Everything worked out well. At the end of it, we got two embryos, um, transferred one, which is Mackenzie, worked straight away, um, and we froze the other one. So that's on ice at the moment. So, yeah, it was pretty simple. Um, I mean, it was definitely hard and really challenging, but... Yeah, I can't complain because I have my beautiful girl. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, what did you mean by a step further and do? What was it called?
1: Um, ICSI. So with, like, traditional IVF you do, um, so you have the, you take the eggs out and then you put, like, the sperm and the eggs in, like, a little petri dish, let them naturally fertilise. With our situation for ICSI is when you take one of the sperm and, like, you inject it into the egg to, like, make it fertilise, which still doesn't guarantee that it's going to fertilise, but um, it, yeah, instead of letting them naturally kind of fertilise, you kind of force that process. So, yeah, we needed to do that
0: yeah okay, cool. um yes. yeah, well, I'm so glad it worked out for you guys yeah. go that must have been like yeah. really really awesome to be yes yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so how how long did it take you to um yeah realize that you weren't able to have kids? like did you try?
1: um it? yeah, so I have endometriosis um so i I said to my partner like as soon as we were ready, like all right, let's give it a go because I always thought you know it probably might take a while, I know that's not everyone's experience with endo, but I was like, look, if we're ready, let's just start the process just in case it takes a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, so we did that for about six months. uh, And then COVID hit, if I remember correctly. I went to my gyno who I was seeing at the time just for, um, like, not fertility stuff, just, like, gyno stuff. And he said, all right, well, look, uh, we can do a couple tests. But um, it looks like at the end of the day, if you need to do IVF, like, if they were putting it on pause at the time and they were like, you know, not doing IVF. So um, he was like, "Just give it another six months." I didn't really go to him and say like, "We need help," because I know that it can take up to twelve months. Um, but I just wanted to get some tests running. Um, so yeah, we tried that. We gave it another six months, and we went to him, and he's like, "Yeah, you." He did a couple tests. He was like, "It's it's IVF," and I was like, a little bit bummed about it. Um, but we gave it another year because of um we had to save up which in the end we ended up getting a little bit of help from family to pay for IVF which is amazing um but we ended up saving a little bit of money um and the time like we kind of needed the time uh because of COVID and all that sort of stuff like I didn't want to push for it like we're still quite young and I was like let's just keep trying um and yeah and then I ended up seeing a different uh specialist. I'm not even sure why I switched over. Um, And she did a couple more tests. She was amazing. And she was like, look, IVF is the only option, which we knew anyway. And we kind of just went ahead with it straight away. So it was a little over two and a half years um, that we were trying for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. So so interesting. Um. Yeah. How did you feel once you first found out you were pregnant? Like, how did how did that all come about? Did you have to go and do the proper blood test through the IVF clinic or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was like ten days after they fertilized the embryo that we had the blood test um ordered, um or scheduled whatever. Um, and I was not going to wait 10 days. I don't know many people who do IVF and wait the full 10 days. Like everyone does a test at home, which I did many many tests at home just to confirm. Um the I think it was like 6 days after transfer I did my first test and there was a faint line which I'd never seen before and every single day after that up until my blood test. I did a, a test and and watched the line get darker and darker and then we got the call. Um I actually got a text message because I was at work and I said I really want to go home early because we're getting a phone call to say look i knew i was pregnant anyway but you know to confirm or deny Mm -hmm. um the pregnancy and my partner was going to be home so i got out early but i actually got a text from them saying hey when you get this message can you call we've got good news so Mm i already knew before my partner pretty much like it was definitely confirmed Mm -hmm. um so yeah we just sat on the couch and we phoned them back and it was the most special moment especially after like you know two and a half years of wanting that pregnancy just the most special moment ever
0: oh that's so good how did you guys celebrate did you tell your family straight away or did you wait or just um yeah so we
1: i'm trying to think i think we like pretty much most of our family knew we were doing ivf um and i had already sent like to my sister and to Corey's sister and a couple of other of my like my friends um like the pregnancy test along the way so They kind of already knew, um, so I just kind of confirmed with them. I think Corey and I went out for dinner or lunch the next day or on the weekend to celebrate. Um, And, yeah, we live away from our family, so that was a little bit hard that we couldn't, like, celebrate in person. But, I don't know, social media and technology is so good these days that, like, you feel connected even when you're not, so... It was really nice and, yeah, still really special.
0: Mm, that's so good.
1: Um, how did how was your pregnancy? Did you have any complications? Um, yeah, so to start with, I had a scan, I think it was like eight weeks. So the, one of the first scans um, to confirm the pregnancy, um, like the heartbeat and stuff with the specialist. Um, we went in, everything was perfectly fine, and then the next day I had some bleeding, Um and I was like, okay, like, this is horrible. Like, it's all over Red Rover. Like, you know, we just heard the heartbeat and then I was like, I'm going to miss Carrie for sure. Um, I called the specialist and I was like, hey, look, I, like, I didn't have cramping or anything. It was just bleeding. And um, I said, I'm not sure if, like, you want me to come in or, but I'm just letting you know this is what's happening. And she's like, yeah, the doctor wants to see you straight away. So, yeah, I left work pretty much straight away, picked up Corey, um and went in and there was something that she picked up on the skin the next day uh that day um and it was like a sub chronic or something hematoma just a little blood bubble um and she said to me like it's fine she put me on pelvic rest and just bed rest for a couple days um and yeah she was just like your body will pretty much just like absorb the blood and not like not to worry too much it should be okay um so that was fine um and when i got to 12 weeks i was so happy you know everyone says it's like the safe time or whatever even though anything can happen at any time um i was so happy like i wasn't sick i didn't have any pregnancy symptoms um like it was so beautiful and then we got to 20 weeks i went for my scan um and they said all right you've got a low-lying placenta um Mm -hmm which I didn't know anything about. And I went back and I told my midwife and she's like, that's fine. Like you're only 20 weeks, nine out of 10 cases. It moves up and away from the cervix. So um, she's like, don't stress about it. We'll do another scan at 34 weeks um, just to confirm that it's moved. Cause if it hasn't, then we need to reassess what we're doing. And I was going through the birth center. Um, so I had to kind of stay low risk to keep going to the birth center and keep my amazing midwife, um, And, yes, I was a little bit stressed, but, like, nine out of ten cases, the odds are, like, on my side, obviously. Um, Then everything just kept going downhill. I ended up having another scan. Oh, my midwife called me at 29 weeks, and she said, look, the doctors have reviewed your case, and because it's an IVF pregnancy and your... Oh, I also had a bilobed placenta. That's right. So that's when... I don't know. You have like two parts of your placenta, or like it splits. Oh, so, cool. it. At first, I said to my my midwife, I'm like, oh, I have two placentas. That's what the ultrasound lady said. She's like, no, you don't. It's one, but it's kind of like separate but still connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to also rescan me. The doctors who reviewed my case um just wanted to get an uh, an earlier scan than 34 weeks to just confirm that everything's moved the way that it should because I guess I didn't want to leave it too long. Um, so she literally got me a scan like two days later at the hospital. Um, so I at that point was 28 weeks, 28 or 29 weeks, I think. Um, went in. It was literally just meant to be a I was at work, so I ducked out of work and I was like, I'll only be an hour. I'm like I'll come straight back. Um, Only meant to be like a little quick ultrasound to make sure my placentas moved away from my cervix and everything looked great. Um, I think the other thing they said they were worried about is Bub's growth because of the placentas or something. They just wanted to check her growth and make sure she was fine. Um, So we went in, I think my appointment was like 9 o'clock. And, um, yeah, went in pretty much straight away, got scanned and the lady spent like half an hour just looking at this one thing that I'd never seen on any of my ultrasounds before. Um, Just looked like a little worm. And mm. it was, yeah, she just kept like measuring it from different angles and making heaps of notes and arming and ah And it was, she kept saying like, can you like push on your belly, like push your belly up so it kind of like you're pushing your baby up away from your cervix so I can measure it a different way. Um, this is all internal, an an internal ultrasound, mm-hmm. and um,
0: was she telling me like what was happening? Was she like yeah? yeah. Well, uh, what she thought
1: kind it was? Of. yeah. So no, she wasn't. You no. were just like in
0: the dark, kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I thought like I don't know, maybe they're just. She's just checking to see if it's moved away from the cervix. I wasn't even concerned about anything else other than the placenta, mm-hmm. um. And so yes, yeah, I was, you know, doing all these weird movements. She's like, can you like do a crunch? I'm going to do like a stress test on your cervix and all these other things like that I'd never had done before. And I was like, okay, this is just standard. Um, she printed out some really beautiful photos of Bob and she was like, um, I'm just going to have to call the midwife. Do you mind waiting outside for a little bit? Um, there's a couple of things that I just want to discuss with her before I'm like happy to send you off. And I was like, oh, okay, like of course something has happened. And like I kind of knew in my gut that it wasn't normal anyway, the amount of time she was spending on, scanning this one thing that I'd never seen before um and yeah so Corey and I waited outside it was about half an hour my midwife the scan was on Monday and my midwife she doesn't work Monday so they were getting in touch with like the second midwife um in charge and then the doctors and um yeah uh we ended up it was half an hour we waited but it it felt like hours Mm -hmm. um and she came out and she just said, do you mind just ducking like over the corridor where like the women and children's um, area is where they have like all the other specialists and stuff that, you know, look after the pregnancies and whatever. And I said, yeah, that's fine. She said, there's just going to be a doctor waiting to talk to you. Um, and I was like, yep, that's fine. So um, still, we didn't really have any information. I had no idea what was actually wrong. Mm-hmm. Um She did mention to me at some point in the scan that my cervix looked a little bit short. So I was like, oh, God, straight away, like, we were, Corey and I were Googling in the waiting room, like, what does it mean when you have a short cervix? Like, Mm -hmm. definitely, no one Google your pregnancy symptoms. (laughs) If that's anything I can give Mm -hmm. to anyone, don't Google Mm because it just made everything more scary. Um, And that wasn't even the major issue. So we ended up seeing not even a doctor. Some midwife came and said, Hey, no doctors available to talk to you. This is after about two hours of waiting. Um, but you have something called vasoprevia and you have a bit of a short cervix. You also have the bilobed placenta has like moved and split. So one half of my placenta is like on one side of my uterus, womb, whatever, and it, the other half is on the other side. And what Previa is, like, there's a vessel running in the middle and it's over, running over your cervix. Oh. And I was like, okay, like, that's the, the basic um, definition that she gave me, which there's way more to it. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And she said, so now you're high risk and we're going to have to, um, like, your midwife's going to call you probably tomorrow and, you know, say goodbye to you and send you off because now you're part of the hospital system and not, you know, the low-risk birth that Um and, you know, you'll have a doctor to follow you through. And, yeah, that she left it at that. And I went back to work. And I
0: said to my God. boss, I'm like, oh,
1: I'm sorry. You're like, I don't know what just happened. And I sat in there. We sat in there together in, in the, her office and um, for about two hours. And we both just, like, Googled vasoprevia. Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely not a good influence when it comes to
0: Googling symptoms because we did that quite a lot. Um how did you feel? Yeah. Like, did you get told that you, the way you wanted to birth would probably change as well? Or? Yeah, definitely. So, Corey and
1: I did a hypnobirthing course, and I was full set for, like, beautiful water birth, no pain meds. I didn't want any of that, and I just wanted, like, a low-key, nice, calm water birth, and she said to me, like, you're not having that. You're going to have to have probably a C-section, and that was, like, the number one thing that I didn't want. I was, like, not having it, <laughs> like, I'm not doing it, and... Um, obviously I, I had to with this diagnosis so yeah we went back and um, what my boss and I found on Google pretty much there's different guidelines that people follow but um, they like to admit you into hospital for like a long-term stay from everywhere different it depends on like your case um, but generally 30, 32, 34 weeks they like to have you in hospital mm-hmm. and they like to have the c-section um, by no later than 36 but um, again, depends on the case. Um, why? Why is also? That? Like why? Yeah. Um. So there is. I'll read out like the proper, um, like definition of vasa because it might like make you understand a little bit more. Hmm. So uh, vasa is when the blood vessels from the baby run through the placental membranes near or overlying the cervix. These vessels are very fragile as they're unprotected by the surrounding jelly of the cord or the placenta. They are at risk of rupturing when the membranes break spontaneously or in artificial labour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you just so happen to, like in my case, they were worried about threatened preterm labour because my sh- my cervix was shortening um, at every scan that I had um, and I was having, like, really bad tightenings, contractions, Braxton hicks. Everyone called it something different, but... Um, yeah, I kept continuously having those, and they wouldn't let up until I was given endone, sometimes morphine. Um, so they were always worried that if I mean, in every case, they're worried if you um, if your waters break early, um, it can re- rupture this the the vessel, which is actually your baby's part of your baby's blood like supply. Um, so your baby can uh, bleed out essentially if they if this blood vessel is ruptured if that makes sense yeah Yeah. so um yeah so we got that diagnosis and uh had a doctor's appointment on the Wednesday with my new doctor my midwife ended up keeping me like she said it's too far like we're too far into this pregnancy like I'm just going to keep you and I'll just see you you know on the side with a doctor which was amazing because she definitely didn't have to do that um and she was yeah she was great um so I ended up seeing a doctor. Um, again, he was amazing, but there was no plan. And that is what gave me the most anxiety um, is that, you know, you I joined like a couple of uh, support groups on Facebook just because I didn't have any answers on the Monday when I left because I didn't have a doctor that I spoke to. I didn't have my midwife because she wasn't, like, available on that day. Um, Google just tells you 50 million things and just scares you, so... I was like, I'm going to join a support group and see what other people's experiences are. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people were pretty much uh, in hospital by 32 weeks and had their babies by 36. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, cool, I just want this plan. Like, I want to know what's going to happen. You know, like I was at this point 29 weeks and I just wanted to tell my boss, like, this is what's happening. If I need to go into hospital at 32 weeks, that only gives me three weeks left of work. But I've got, like nothing organised at home, so I'm going to want time at home. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted a plan, which he didn't give me because, again, every case is so different depending on, like, your cervix length and multi multiple other things so, so were, the, were the doctors just kind of that did they just want to wait and see what happened with you each yep.
0: scan or okay
1: yeah yeah pretty much so he just said to me look keep seeing your midwife weekly for like your blood pressure and your weight and and all the other things we'll get you weekly scans or bi-weekly scans um and he's like i want to keep seeing you like every week or so um we'll just keep like reassessing as we go uh which was fine. i was fine with, with that um yeah. So that was on a Wednesday. I went to work on the Friday and I got to like lunchtime. I was meant to be finishing at lunchtime anyway. And then I had a midwife appointment at one o'clock and it got to like around 11 o'clock and I was having the worst cramps in my stomach and all down my back and my legs. And I was like, all right, just like push through. Like, don't even, don't even tell anyone, like just push through. You, what, you're going to go week, see your midwife. What week were you? Um, This was 20, like 29 and five days, almost 30. But this was the same week. So we found out on the Monday about Vaser previa, and the, this was that Friday. Um, So, yeah, I ended up going over to the midwife and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, look, I've just got some cramping. And she's like, all right, you know, does it feel like this? Where is it? And, I, you know, we had a big chat about it and she's like, all right, I'm not comfortable with this at all. Like I'm going to have to send you upstairs to the, birth suite and worst timing like she had another pregnant mum coming in like in labor so she was she was getting the room ready and the bath filled and so she couldn't come up with me and she sent a colleague up and we went up to the birth suite um they pretty much straight away attached me to a ctg and uh which was picking up i don't know contractions Braxton, braxton hicks everyone called it something different so in the end we ended up just saying tightenings and a doctor came in oh I the midwife who walked me up said have you had anything to eat and I was like no not yet and she gave me a cookie and some water and she's like have this and she left me she had to go back down so I was in in the care of the other midwives on on the roster or whatever and one of them came in and snatched the cookie out of my hand and the water and she's like what are you doing like if you have to have an emergency c-section right now you can't eat and I was like Emergencies? what are you talking about like I what and I'm like I'm 29 weeks like I'm not having a baby today but no and so they gave me endone uh to see if the tightenings kind of calmed down on their own which they kind of did after a while and I had a doctor come in and he was like uh look we've got a Like, I'm going to do a cervical check. I want to see if your cervix is opening. I want to see, like, where it's looking. I I just want to make sure that you're not, like, going into labor because if you are I'm going to have to get this baby out within 30 minutes and I'll like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, what on earth? (laughs) And, um, yeah, uh, that was probably the worst moment about the whole thing because they didn't really cover me up. I was still in my work clothes laying on the bed. And this midwife and the doctor just, like, tried to rip my pants off and I was like hang on like I'm capable of taking my own pants off like the lights were bright and mm. I wasn't really covered properly and I just felt so oh I don't even know the word just disgusting like it was a gross feeling and I was like yeah. guys I just want to take my own clothes off like give me a bit of yeah. privacy and they just yeah took my pants off and threw them on the floor and it was very rushed but I, uh, yeah anyway so he checked and it was fine um, my service was closed and then They're like, all right, you can put your own pants back on now. And I I got up and I still had my shoes on and tried to get myself dressed. And I ended up like falling over because I was like high on endone. I had no help. I'd been laying down with like no food for like the last hour. And I just felt crappy. And I was like, this is horrible. Um, And he came back in. He's like, because you've had this, you're going to have to stay for two nights. And I said, okay, whatever. I wasn't happy about that, but... Like you got to do what you got to do. And anyway, on the Sunday, the day that I got discharged, I got wheeled down to get just another scan from someone. He, just in the general like ultrasound, X-ray scanning area of the hospital. He was in no way a specialist in this field, um, and he probably didn't even understand basa previa. I mean, he definitely didn't. He did a scan and couldn't find it, couldn't find the vessel on the ultrasound. And he said, look, you don't have previa. You're totally fine to go home. It was probably just like the umbilical cord or something floating around. <laughs> oh <God>. And the <laughs> ultrasound lady just, you know, didn't know what she was doing. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I don't know. That makes no sense to me. And this doctor ended up having like a professional, it's called an MSM specialist. She was meant to scan me on the Tuesday following. Um, Yeah, she's like specialist in high-risk pregnancies and all that sort of stuff. So she was meant to be scanning me on the Tuesday and I ended up saying to the doctor, the doctor discharged me and she's like, look, you don't have vasoprevia, go home and stay on bed rest because you do have a short cervix. And, yeah, just, you know, see your midwife. And I said, okay, well, I've got a scan on Tuesday, you know, that my midwife wants me to go to. And this doctor said, well, you can tell your midwife to give us a call and we will sort out the new plan and we'll tell her the updated plan because you don't need that scan. I was like okay, whatever. Like I'm not even arguing at this point. And yeah, it got to Tuesday, and I called my midwife, and I'm like, I'm obviously going to this scan, right? This is a specialist, and she's like, yes, go to the bloody scan, ignore the doctor. And I went, and this specialist picked up on the vessel, and I was back in hospital on Wednesday for my long term stay. I ended up being in hospital for four weeks. That oh,
0: wow, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. how did you feel being in hospital for that long? Oh,
1: absolutely so sad like I knew like we obviously have another embryo so there's a possibility of having another pregnancy but also there isn't like you know there's a chance it may not work and this is my only pregnancy like I didn't get a baby shower because I was in hospital I didn't get to enjoy my like third trimester of my one and potentially only pregnancy Corey obviously still had to work and you know my friends still had to work my family doesn't live here so I was uh all on my own and that I think was the hardest like my boss where my work is located is about a two minute drive from the hospital so my boss would come and see me a little bit she would check in on me literally every single day mm-hmm. Corey would come and visit most afternoons but like we've got the dogs mm-hmm. but he had to like come home feed them walk them and you know do all that sort of stuff there was still some stuff that needed to be done to prepare for bub like we didn't know at that point when she was coming there was still no plan it was just wait and see i had weekly scans and weekly cervical checks it's called like a a fetal fibronectin test they just like swipe the cervix and it's um there's some chemical that's released like a a week or two weeks up like before labor and this test can pick up and like tell you if you're at risk of getting uh, or going into preterm labor so i was getting them weekly more scans weekly. I think the hardest part about the hospital stay was arguing with the midwives and the doctors because my doctor and my midwife had a plan for me because it wasn't my baby, like baby wasn't in distress. I didn't have gestational diabetes. I was otherwise healthy. I didn't need to be monitored. And that was very clearly stated by my doctor and my midwife. I wasn't to be put on CTG and I wasn't to be checked every four hours, but the midwives didn't follow that plan. So... You know, there would be arguments between the doctors and the midwives and myself constantly. Like, I was constantly having these discussions and, like, saying this is not what we're doing. Like, please don't wake me up four times in the middle of the night because you need to check my blood pressure because that's not an issue. And um, the doctors, my doctor and my midwife would, you know, obviously back me up, and but the, the midwives just wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, they have their job to do. I totally understand that and I respect that. Um, and you know sometimes they just they do the rounds but you know sometimes different doctors would even come in and be like you you don't have this condition like you need to just go home why are you here so I'd have like arguments with those doctors and I think that was the hardest part about the hospital stay is I wasn't like I always felt like a nuisance and like I shouldn't be there but I know deep down and I was told by my doctor and midwife you're here for your baby's safety If, if you're waters break or if you go into preterm labor like i live half half an hour away from the hospital and um if anything happens and that vessel is ruptured that's half an hour to get to the hospital like what if bub's blood um what if bub loses too much blood in that meantime you know and yeah I, i was just treated a little bit like a nuisance like I wanted to be there. And I was like, mm. guys, I promise you, I don't. I don't want to be here at all. I want to be at work. Mm. I want to be doing my baby's nursery. I want to be folding and washing baby clothes. Like, so, yeah, that was hard. Um, it ended up getting to, I went up for a scan and my my regular ultrasound lady, the MFM specialist, she was awake. So I had a feeling in doctor who <laughs> he caused a lot of trouble just in general and um, I'm trying to say it very politely. He pretty much, he's just, he had his own opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So, they the preview because it's so rare. There's different guidelines. So, um, if this vessel is within two centimetres of your cervix, then, well, some people go within a two centimetre radius. Then, if you, you know, dilate, then the vessel's still there. Whereas some people, and my doctor and my specialist, that I was all, go- like, I was under their care, they were going by a five-centimeter radius, which if you look online and, and different studies and stuff, some say two, some say five, and he was going by two centimetres. It got to the point at the end where it was like 2.8 centimetres. So, like, bear in mind that's eight millimetres over the recommended what he recommended, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And he's like, "Nope, you're right to go. And I said, I'm not leaving. Like, we've been going by five centimetres and um, – yeah, that's, you're just here to make sure that like everything's stable. Like I'm not going to let you, you know, dictate the rest of my hospital stay and whatever. And he's like, no, nope, you can have a vaginal birth. Like that's, oh my God. you're fine. Yeah. He said, you can go right up to um, 39, 40 weeks if, you know, and go into natural labor and have a vaginal birth. He's, he said, I'm still low risk, uh, high risk because, um, because I still have a vessel there. Mm. And Yeah, that caused me a lot of anxiety. I remember calling my midwife after and we were walking back up to the maternity ward and I just, like, paused in the middle of the hallway and my partner and I were on the phone to Joe, my midwife, and I'm like, no, please, like, it's can we stick with the five-centimetre rule? Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to go home and risk my baby's life. I've come this far. Can we stick with the original guidelines? And she said, no, no, it's two centimetres. And I stayed up all night trying to find five centimeter studies which I I found a couple and I ended up sending them to her Mm. because I was like look I'm not I'm not crazy I'm not wrong we have been going by five centimeters and Mm. here's some evidence like Mm. it's not strong because everything is still so like the condition is so rare but also factor in my shortening cervix and my constant tightenings that would only settle if I was you know pumped with endone like Mm. do you really want to send me home like Mm. and I look I still didn't want to be there I really didn't want to be there but yeah. I didn't also want to be half an hour away from the hospital and risk my baby's life. So that whole thing caused me a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and that was the that was the Thursday. It got to Saturday. I was just crying all day every day, and it got to Saturday, and I had these tightenings, and they would not give up. They gave me Panadol. They gave me Endone. I called my midwife, and I was like, they've got me on the CTG, and then they're not getting me off because these tightings are not going away she's like look I've got your email about the evidence and you know the five centimeter rule that you like we've been going like going following or whatever and um she said I like I agree with you I've read it and I agree and they ended up transferring me from the maternity ward to the birth suite to keep getting monitored because these tightenings just weren't giving up and they were like we need to make sure that obviously you're not you know, your cervix isn't shortening and you're not dilating. So I had to go down there. She came up and she, you know, stayed with me the whole time. They ended up giving me a morphine shot to see if that helped. More endone. After a couple hours, it did actually cool down um, and everything was fine. I had a bit of cramping, but not much. They did another FFN test to see if I was at risk of early preterm labor. Um, that came back negative and my cervix they checked and it was still like closed and whatever so we sat there and I was like please can we just like I don't want to have a vaginal birth please don't make me I mean taking into account I never wanted to have a c-section ever it was my worst fear and Mm -hmm. here I was begging for a c-section at the end of the day and my midwife's like yeah look the doctor one of the doctors who I absolutely love she was on rotation and she's like let's I'm gonna take all the research that I have and I'm gonna go show her and I'm gonna get you the C section.
0: And she how, how stressful if you had to go into like labor naturally, you wouldn't be able to focus and relax. You'd be so stressed.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And um I would I was
1: constantly just waiting to like start bleeding because they kept saying to me, like, just watch out for bleeding, watch out for bleeding. And I'm like, Okay. And I was like, if I go home at this point or if I have to have a vaginal birth, yeah, I'm just gonna be An absolute mess, and she said, Look, even if the doctor doesn't agree that about the guidelines, she said, The doctor can clearly see you're in too much distress. Um, so we'll look for a c section. And she really pushed for me, which is amazing. The doctor came in and we had a massive chat. I don't remember much of it because I was so high on morphine and endone, and yeah, ended up getting the c section. She's like, Let's push for. 38 weeks and I said okay cool she said do you still want to stay like everything is looking stable my cervix wasn't shortening at this point my cervix was closed so I wasn't going into labor my test came back never negative and I said yeah like I still want to stay um so that was a Saturday it got to Sunday I just I was like I'm done I'm done arguing with midwives. advice I'm done arguing with doctors I just want to go home like she did say to me they all reassured me that everything was stable and safe mm. and um yeah I so I was I said to them on Sunday please um can I go home so long as we can have a plan like mm. I want to get weekly scans I want to get have weekly doctors' appointments and um, yeah I want to know that obviously if anything happens I can come straight in to get checked and they were totally on board with that organized it all I said look I'm still not happy about a 30 38 week c-section to me when you look at the guidelines it's still pushing it like what if i do go into um, labor early Mm -hmm. and she said well lucky for you we've got two dates the 12th of april or the 14th which would put me at 37 weeks
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i was stoked and i was like yeah send me home update me with the dates or the date that you choose for the c-section and they gave me endone to take home in case any tightening started and then they said Within half an hour, if you take the endone and you're still feeling it, then you need to come in. Um, and I was so stoked about that. I mean, still, obviously, I, I lived the last, I was 34 weeks when I got discharged, so the last three weeks, um, very, very anxious. And I was put on, like, extreme bed rest, like, don't walk, don't pick up your dog, don't bend over, don't do this. And I was like, okay, I'm not like, happy. Yeah. Um, so I went home at, yeah, 34 weeks, four-week hospital stay, I was done. I'm like, I'm not staying here for another three
0: weeks to send me home. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my hospital stay. Oh, my gosh. And so then how? how what happened with the C-section and the dates?
1: Yeah, so they texted me and said, we've got a date. It's the 12th. Um, and, yeah, so I was happy about that. I still had my weekly scan. So I left on the Sunday, had a scan on the Tuesday, and then the Wednesday, sorry, at this point I was... It ticked over to 35 weeks. Um, So I had two more weeks left. It got to, like, the Wednesday. I had an appointment with the doctor at the hospital, and then I got COVID. So then I was, like, at home isolating for a week, and I felt rubbish, absolutely rubbish. And I was, like, of course. I'm locked in a hospital for four weeks and then locked at home for a week. Like, I can't even go to the park or go to the beach or whatever. Like, I was livid and I was like of course this happens to me but yeah look it forced me to lay down and all I wanted to do was lay down and sleep because I felt so rubbish anyway so yeah and then I had to get a steroid shot so when I was first admitted to hospital they gave me two steroid shots over the course of 24 hours because they were expecting bub to come early and we had a NICU tour as well um, which was really confronting like I have looked after bubs who've been in NICU and you know spoken to parents about it And just walking into the NICU room and, you know, them saying, well, this is what your bub's going to be on. Like, this is a CPAP. This is where they're going to be. They're going to have these tubes in. They're going to have these tests. And this is what they showed us at the point they were like measuring Mackenzie's weight through scans and saying, like, she's about a kilo and we we'll sh- she said, Well we'll show you at one kilo what a one kilo baby looks like. Mm. So they walked us through, asked the parents permission if we can have just a little look to mentally prepare ourselves. We end up seeing a nine hundred gram baby. And I think that's what kind of wrecked me for the whole rest of the stay. This was at the beginning of the stay. I was like every day my baby is gonna if my baby comes, this is what it's gonna be like. Which, thankfully it didn't because yeah, I couldn't even handle the NICU tour, let alone me having to be a NICU mum. I just couldn't. But, I mean, I know parents, you just do and you get through it. And NICU mums and dads are so strong. But, yeah, at the time I was like, I can't do this. So, yeah, I had the steroid shots. And then they gave me one extra steroid shot on this Saturday. Then Mackenzie was born on the Tuesday. Went up to the hospital at 6.30 in the morning and... We ended up, she was born at like 9 or 7. Um, my midwife was there and the doctors, the good doctors that I had a really good reputation with because they would come see me every morning and check in, they they were the ones doing the C-section and, you know, I had, he wasn't, he's not a professional photographer. He is he was my doctor, not performing the C-section, but he was there taking photos on his big professional camera. We oh. got the most beautiful photos. It's so nice. Um, yeah, we had some really good, like nice music playing and the actual C section was absolutely beautiful. Really loved it. I definitely would do it again.
0: How did you feel going into it? Did you feel nervous or did you feel you prepared yourself for it?
1: Um, I think I prepared myself in the way of like what's gonna happen. I was more the only thing I was nervous about was the spinal. I'm not big on like the idea of having a needle shoved into your back and that just scared me so much
0: but it was totally fine that's I mean, what I thought because I had a c-section and that was the thing I was so terrified about and then when I had it I was like what was I even worried about that I so know <laughs> I was shaking
1: my midwife's like hold my hands and I was like clutching over this pillow and and she's like you're gonna be fine I'm like "Joe, I'm gonna pass out like this is horrible like it's gonna be so painful and they're like all right we're putting it in now and I'm like "Ah." Oh. <laughs> it was like so <laughs> underwhelming I was like yeah.
0: oh it! it's so silly <laughs> I know I was more scared for that than the actual being cut into <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and where I when I laid down like because I still had a really horrible cough and I was phlegmy and you know I couldn't feel my stomach I needed I had like phlegm in my throat and I needed to cough and mm. I had this one thought like I couldn't because my I couldn't work my stomach and <gasps> I was like I'm gonna choke on my own phlegm oh my like God. I it was just itch I couldn't cough I tried so hard and I couldn't I was like of course like this is oh how my- I'm gonna go um, oh my god no, I was fine
0: what just happened did you just have to just have to try not to think about it or how did you get through? Yes. That? yeah
1: yeah yeah I tried my best like I tried to cough from my my chest not my stomach and mm. I, I kind of I don't know I could breathe I was totally fine just I was just anxious a little bit but they laid me down and they have like the big the massive big lights that they you know put over you and one of them was turned off and was over the top of me and I could see the reflection of like the other half of the drape and I watched them like you know do the sterilizer all over my body and put the catheter in and I watched it all through the reflection and then they like started talking about all right we're about to start and I was like hey I can see and I don't want to see I want to see you cutting into me please move the mirror so that and I, I think to myself now like I wonder if I would have coped. Like, I wonder if I should have just like not said anything and watched it happen. I definitely would have probably passed out. But I think it would have been cool to like watch and bring Mackenzie out. I've got amazing photos, but yeah. So I was a little bit anxious, but they played a, a soundtrack called Caesar Salad, which I thought was hilarious, and everyone was so light and airy. And yeah, it was it was a good environment to be in, and I think that's what calmed my nerves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. How did you, um? How did she come out? how How was she? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely
1: perfect. Came out screaming. Came straight to me on my chest, and she was a little bit mucousy. And I remember like yelling out to my my midwife, "I'm like, Joe, Joe, like, is she? Can she breathe? Like, help! She can't breathe." But again, I think that was just my anxiety. She was totally fine. Joe's like, "She's fine, Grayson. Just soak it all up." And I don't remember much else. Everything else around me just I don't even remember it. I just remember sitting there with her like on my like upper chest area near my neck and just holding her and Corey was behind me on the seat holding me and her and – nothing else mattered at that point it was the best feeling in mm-hmm. the whole
0: world um how big was she was she what you had seen in the NICU or was she
1: um no so when we went for the NICU tour I was only like 29 weeks um oh, okay. so then she grew like heaps. I think she she came out at 2760 The two, seven, six, zero oh, two point. point. yeah, yeah. so yeah. she um she was still really small, and I think my midwife said, "Like, look, if she if she came out any smaller, we would have had to have done like a blood sugar test just to see." I think that's what she said, something like that, because she was so small. But yeah, she just made it over the threshold, breathing perfectly. I guess the steroids helped with that, which is so good. Um, and yeah, she was perfect.
0: Mm, that's so good. Um, yeah. so what happened next for you was like, was it just a pregnancy related condition? Were they just like?
1: All right. yeah, so, yeah, pretty much they showed me the, they like pulled out the placenta and they showed me the blood vessel and the doctor said to me, you made the right call by pushing for the C-section because it's getting way too close for a vaginal birth. Like this could have ended really badly. So good job for trusting your gut and pushing for the um, C-section because you just don't know how it could have ended. And that was like the biggest relief ever because I always felt like I was over-exaggerating because the doctor made me this one doctor, mind you, out of like ten beautiful other doctors, um, just made me feel really horrible about it. And I was like, yes, like trust in my mum, got like I'm already so good at this thing, and yeah. So they showed me that, and then they, I think like it's it's too rare to probably happen again. Obviously, it can, and trust my luck, it probably will. But I think it's like one in five hundred to one in a thousand pregnancies that it happens. So very rare. It's only pregnancy related. So, yeah, definitely only – and everything was normal from then on.
0: How was Mackenzie? Did she need any other care at all or was she okay just to be with you from then? Yeah, she was
1: with me from then. Yeah, she was absolutely perfect. How long did you spend in the hospital? That was a Tuesday. I think it was four days. So I got out on the Friday. That was Easter Friday. We went home. I pushed to go home early because I just just hated the hospital stay. I would have preferred – the long day that I was there for over the the stay when I had Mackenzie I feel like I had no help obviously I love midwives and appreciate everything they do they're amazing at their job and I think it's an an understaffing issue rather than you know anything else but you know they would say don't lift your baby out of the, the bassinet buzz us if you want us to come and we'll get her and I was like yep yeah, okay so she'd be like crying press the buzzer because I, I wanted to feed her or whatever and no one would come. She'd be crying for like five minutes. And I'm like, screw this. I'm getting my baby. Like, I'm not letting her cry. And two minutes later, the nurse, the midwife would come in and be like, why are you lifting her? Like, why are you moving out of bed? Like, you need to be laying down. And I'm like, I, I'm i calling for help and no one's coming. And I was always so worried that if I left her in the bassinet because she was still very mucusy, I was worried that she would like vomit and choke on her own vomit. That was like my biggest fear. And I was like, so I'd wheel her into the bathroom with me, go to the toilet, do what I need to do, which would wake her up because the lights are so bloody bright. Mm. Um, and, yeah, wheel her back out. And yeah, I we were breastfeeding, so that was – it was painful for me. She ended up having a tongue and a lip tie, which we later got fixed. But, yeah, I wanted help, more help than what I received. And, yeah, I just wanted to get out of there
0: ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah were you yeah were you worried about leaving though and having like no one there to ask for help or did you just feel that you could figure it out on your own I honestly I feel like because I still had my midwife who like
1: I could probably I mean I definitely could message and call and whatever um but yeah it got to like I knew I had to stay for three days I just thought that included the Tuesday so I was you know pushing to get out on Thursday I'm like I've been here three days and they're like the first day doesn't count and I was like okay Mm -hmm. It got to the Friday and Baby Blues hit me so hard. Actually, that was Thursday night and I just, I was just um, a mess and I just wanted Corey but, like, obviously he wasn't allowed there because they're not allowed partners and, um, yeah, I really struggled from that point on, like, and I just wanted
0: to get out because I needed, like, mental support as well. And they, yeah, did you say anything to them while you are at the hospital or you just wanted to get home and seek your own kind of help? I did mention it.
1: Like I, when I cry, my face goes like bright red and blotchy, and it stays like that for a while. So they all knew, um, and they would ask. They were all beautiful and say like, "Is there anything I can do?" And I'm like, "Look, I'm I'm starving. I just want food. I want more water. I can't move. I'm in pain. Mm. Um, breastfeeding's like hurting me. I." you know am I starving my baby that was like my biggest fear because I was like my milk's not in like am I starving her she's not latching I just wanted to sleep I was so tired I was like hallucinating
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um because I was so tired and um they were all amazing absolutely like but I just wanted to be home in my bed Mm -hmm. and I wanted Corey and I wanted yeah I just wanted to be in my own space
0: yeah did they offer you a lactation consultant or anything at the hospital
1: yeah, so I saw a couple, I kept just asking them to come back over and over and, I, and they were like, look, it's just the tongue tie and the lip tie, like, and she's very, she's a very small baby. They're like, you know, just give her time to work it out. And I, I, I did a lot of research when we were trying for a baby. So I knew that, like, I knew all about breastfeeding. That's what I wanted to do. I know when you have a C-section, it can take up to five days for your milk to come in And I don't know why I was stressing about it. I look back and I'm like, girl, you should have just, like, trusted them. But I just, she was crying and I didn't know about, like, you know, when babies wake up on day two. They are very vocal and they just Mm. want to feed, feed, feed. And I didn't know about that. Um, And I thought, oh, my God, she's still starving. But that was all totally normal, which I didn't realise at the time. So I look back and I'm like, you were over-exaggerating and you should have trusted them. But at the time I
0: just had all these really Mm. irrational thoughts. Mm. Did you offer her or, like, were you able to offer her any formula when you were worried or did you just persist with breastfeeding? Yeah, I
1: just persisted. Like, they showed me how to hand express and they said, see, milk's coming out. And it was. Like, I did have stuff there um, Mm. and they did say, like, look, you're not starving her. Her stomach is the size of a marble. And she was having the correct amount of, like, wet nappies and stuff like that. She didn't have any dehydration signs. They weren't worried. They never even offered me formula. I'm not sure if I would have taken it until, you know, it got to that day five and I'm like, all right, it's it's still, like I'm still struggling. Um, yeah, so every, I think my milk came in just as I was leaving hospital um, and they were like, see, told you. And I was like, okay. And I I went home and it was still really painful to latch. Um, and I, you know, the pain made me say to Corey a couple of times, go and get me formula. I can't do this anymore. Um, but I just persisted and after like two weeks, Everything just clicked. She worked it all out, and it stopped being painful.
0: Yeah, so you didn't need to do anything else to um, help with the pain, like nipple shields or anything like that? Yeah,
1: so I got those little silverette things.
0: Um, They were were
1: amazing. Highly recommend if anyone has nipple pain, get them. Um, So good. I probably got them a little bit too late into the journey. Like I got them after a week, and then, you know, I only used them for a week. Um, But I had, like, the breast breast discs and the nipple creams and i had ice the ice and the heat packs that i would use like i tried everything to help with the pain but essentially it was just the fact that she had the lip and the tongue tight and the latch wasn't quite what it should have been but it came good we ended up getting the tongue and lip tie corrected when she was about eight weeks which made a difference as well but when it got to the two week stage it was just everything kind of calmed down and clicked and yeah it was much better. Mm, So is there
0: a reason that you have to wait till eight weeks to get that corrected is that what they suggest or?
1: No um because she was still putting on weight and after the two weeks everything like you I think you can get it done at the hospital I was just you know uh, I don't know why I didn't get it done at the hospital like they said you know she is still latching um and they did say like you know Breastfeeding is not easy and it's not in any way um, like pain-free to start with. Like I don't think anyone should be in any amount of pain. Um, Like I was clenching my fist and curling my toes and that kind of pain, like almost in tears pain, Mm -hmm. um, very tense. But like I just kept thinking that it was a little bit normal as well. Um, My midwife said like, you know, these are the options that you can – do if you you know want to look at getting the lip and tongue tie corrected but essentially she was still putting on weight and stuff and then the pain kind of stopped at the 2 week mark and I was like not even going to worry about it cuz everything got better but yeah it got to 8 weeks and I was like look I don't I did a little bit more research and figured out that the lip and tongue ties can cause other issues later on, like um, mouth breathing and, you know, speech problems and stuff if it's severe enough. And I was like, I'm not even going to risk it, you know. And it was really painful to get that corrected. Um, we did it, like, by laser and then we had to do, like, stretches every four hours and then we, you know, spaced out the stretches every week by a couple more hours just to keep re-injuring, re-injuring the the cut if that makes sense just to like yeah break it back open so that it Ooh, didn't heal sounds Back awful. <laughs> down. yeah she' she oh. yeah it was not nice it was not nice at all um she kind of got used to it after about a week because it you know healed but because the mouth heals so quickly they're like you need to keep breaking that wound so that it doesn't heal back to exactly where it was otherwise what's the point so we had to keep making sure that when it healed, it wasn't connected where it was before. So that was really hard. And Corey didn't do any of the stretches because he was back at work and I was the one showing how to do it. So it was solely my responsibility. And it was that was really hard emotionally to, you know, like I knew that I was hurting my baby and she let me know definitely. But Mm -hmm. um yeah, the latch definitely got better Mm -hmm. after that point. Like it it was never uncomfortable after two weeks, but I could just feel a massive difference and her she just kind of was more at ease when she was feeding and would feed for longer, and I feel like my breasts were, like, fully empty when she finished. So, yeah, yeah that was I'm glad that I got it done.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, how did you find your C-section recovery?
1: Um, I've had a couple surgeries in the past, like, for my endometriosis, and I got my appendix out and stuff. And I know it's very different, but still I was, like, not excited because the other surgeries I'd had in the past were I I couldn't move for two weeks Mm. Um, I guess I expected that with the c-section that you know I would only be you know in bed or whatever just walking around a little bit by a little bit but I was very surprised at how quickly I recovered and I did just want to get up and walk around and I could do that like obviously for the first couple days I was on strong pain meds but when I got home it was just Panadol and Nurofen and I think my only issue is I never, uh, like sat up correctly. Like I didn't roll to the side and do all that. Because when she was crying and she was in her bassinet next to us, I just was up straight away and I was like, I didn't even think about the correct way to get in that bed and to roll to the side. And so yeah, but recovery was fine. Um, I yeah, my scar. The only thing that annoys me now is that like I'm still numb on the top half of my scar for like mm. it's about an inch or two that I can't feel which is annoying but I'm trying to do like those little massages and stuff they recommend so
0: hopefully it gets back to what it was yeah, mine's only just like, I couldn't touch mine for ages. It felt just so disgusting, <laughs> but like, yeah, that, it does real, feel gross. Like, that numb sensitive feeling. Yeah. But now that like my daughter is two in March, like I can finally like, it feels like it's starting to feel more normal. So I guess just yeah. over, over time, hopefully it's, yeah, <laughs> goes back yeah. to not being weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That
1: makes me feel better because I don't know anyone else who like, I've not spoken to anyone else and they've been like, yeah, I can fully feel it or I can't. So I'm like, what do I, you know, and everyone's body's different, obviously but I'm like what when am I going to feel my body again it's just the most I can't even explain it to my partner I'm like it's numb but it's not and it's Mm. like just a really yucky feeling so that's what annoys me most and like when I hold Mackenzie and she faces out she like kicks her legs and kicks the scar Mm. and it's just like the
0: weirdest feeling so yeah, yeah that's what I don't like That's actually what I remember when um my daughter Ivy was like a lot lot smaller when she'd lay on my chest and she'd kick kick that area like that was never very nice like yeah yeah Yeah. like how you said before when you accidentally just sit up because you react to their crying and then you're like oh yeah 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 but then I've heard people have like um really long recoveries from vaginal births as well so it's just like yeah like yeah whichever way it can be really tough yeah
1: yeah exactly like I know people can do like the have massive tears and their recovery can be you know just as painful and like Mm. pain is so subjective like Mm. what i find painful someone might not so like someone might really have struggled with their c-section recovery but yeah i i actually felt really good so Mm. i mean that's a good thing and that's why i say it all the time to people who i talk to i totally would do it again like Mm. i'm not i don't even know if i want to try for a v-back i think Mm. i just want to go Mm. and have another c-section because yeah it wasn't that bad for yeah, me, anyway,
0: I, I had yeah, I had such a great C-section experience. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, a, but I'm like, oh, do I want to try? Do I want to just experience the vaginal birth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just we'll see. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. How did you go when you got home and settled in? Um, you said you didn't have much family there. Did you feel like you needed more of a support network, or was it manageable?
1: Yeah, I have people around me, and a lot of people who have children or have had children, and like you know, friends and colleagues from work and I expected more. Not in a selfish way, I don't think, but just like, you know, when you you know, I'm hungry. I'm looking after a baby. You just want someone to bring me food. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've all had kids before. You know that you don't have time to like cook a good meal. Please like just drop something off at the door. I don't even have to see like you don't have to see me if you don't want to. Um I kind of expected more. I I was happy to hold my baby, like, all day, every day. That's not what I struggled with. It was more just, um, like, the other stuff, like the food and, you know, I couldn't even meal prep because I was so sick the week leading up to having her and then I was in hospital for four weeks prior. So I didn't do any meal prepping and, yeah, um, so I think that was hard. Like, I wish I had more support um, and more family around me, but at the same time, like, my net and pop, Um, bless them but they came up when Mackenzie was only a week and a half with a surprise visit Um, and they just rocked up at my door and um, they stayed for about a week and every day they came not stayed with us but at someone else's house and um, they you know would come over every single day and they'd hold Mackenzie for like hours and you know talk about random things I didn't even care about and I'm just like, I want food. I want to rest. Like, guys, I've been up all night. I'm leaking from, you know, everywhere. Please just either, like, I don't mind. I didn't mind the having visitors. I was just, I wanted someone to say, how are you? And what can I do for you? Or, you know, not even ask, like, just bring me food. I don't even care if you swing through Macca's 10 minutes down the road. Like, and it doesn't even need to be nutritious. Just feed me if you're going to take up my time where, I could have been cooking food instead of entertaining you and like, you know, I would, you know, they would say, like, oh, can I have a coffee? And I'm like, Really? Like <laughs> yeah. can I
0: make you a coffee?
1: Yeah. And it takes so um, much I think energy. Like that time.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say it takes yeah, so much energy, yeah. even just having conversations with people when you're that sleep deprived. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, do you not remember what it was like to have kids? But I mean,
1: obviously not, that was bloody years ago, but yeah, I just think to myself, like surely you can see that i don't want you to be here like my body mm. i and it, i think what's hard is like you know um i had to like leave my living area where everyone was sitting to go to a different room to like try and feed Mackenzie, which at that time was taking half an hour because she was mm. still a newborn um so i would like exclude myself in my own home to go and feed her and miss out on you know the whole conversation what was you know that we're talking about and i was just i felt so disconnected even from Corey. um You know, like I feel like it wasted a whole pretty much week of his time off with Mackenzie because that's not time he had bonding with her or holding her because they just wanted her. Mm. And I feel really sad about that. Like I still think back and I think what I struggle with mentally now is the early postpartum days and the visits from people who just wanted to come over and hold Mackenzie but not help or support us in any way as new parents. And Mm. that's what I struggle with now still
0: yeah exactly do you think there's anything that like you would want to put into place to stop that happening or any suggestions I guess for anyone listening, again
1: or for anyone yes um look I was naive and I said like to Corey like I'm not going to be that person that posts on Facebook like don't come over unless you're invited and vaccination information like I just thought in my head it's put out there so often that it's common sense I just didn't Mm. even think about it I was like everyone knows Mm. don't you know give advice don't Come unless you're vaccinated, don't come unless you have coffee and food, and don't hold the baby, don't stay for too long. Don't I kiss was the baby, so
0: naive. yes, it <laughs> yes. yes. would kiss the baby still. You're like, Oh what? <laughs> my
1: god, it still drives me nuts. I'm like, Don't kiss the baby, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just didn't even put that out, and I, I wish I did. So, anyone listening, um, uh, if you think it's common sense, it is not. If you don't want visitors, or you might even want visitors and be okay with it, but then when your baby comes, like. You might realise you actually don't. So I would just put it out there that, you know, wait until you hear from us and no one show up unannounced. If you are going to come over, bring food. Even if you are invited, invite just drop food off at the door. Guarantee you anything that new parents want is food. <laughs> even if they've meal prepped, like nice, fresh, home-cooked, not even home-cooked, swing through Maccas if that's the best you can do. Um, even coffee or, you know, coke for caffeine like they people need caffeine when they have a newborn i'm
0: telling you um, mm-hmm. Even like sorry, you said with, yeah. the, with the breastfeeding, like you just have no idea how you're going to feel breastfeeding. Because I personally, if I'd have visitors, I'd try and like breastfeed her before they would come so I wouldn't have to like sit there awkwardly like just with my boobs out in front of like all my friends yes. or whatever. Like I know yeah. some people are fine, but I just felt like a bit insecure about it. And so I'd yeah. be like, okay, do all the things, change your nappy, breastfeed her, have everything perfect. So that when people come over, I'm like everything's sorted, but then it would get mm-hmm. to like an hour if they'd stay longer. You're like, okay, now i got to like, i got to do the
1: breastfeeding. breastfeeding again like exactly then it stays yes yeah and god the amount of times that like i kind of wish that i was strong enough to say like all right guys get out of my house now but I'm a little bit of a pushover and a people pleaser so that's not in my nature to tell people what to do um but Again, now if I had another baby, that would be me. I would be like, because I know now that it can still affect you months later. Like like I said, it still actually really affects me. If I think about it too much, I get so sad. Like I could cry about, you know, how much time I feel like I missed out and Corey as well. And, um, yeah, I just, if, yeah, just don't show up unannounced if yeah. someone's had a baby. And if you are showing up, please just take food. I guarantee mm. you they need it, especially breastfeeding months because I was – so hungry i did not realize how hungry i would be i i i could have eaten 50 meals a day i was so hungry
0: (laughs) so i guess like looking back at the 10 months that you've had mckenzie what have you found the most challenging um in the at the
1: beginning it was definitely the breastfeeding um i know that was only two short weeks that was uh like it's nothing in the grand scheme of like the 10 months but i really struggled with that and then i think as well um maintaining relationships with other people um i feel like the expectation was on me to message everyone and be like hey this is what we're doing and i feel like everyone waited for me to contact them um and i just really i didn't i didn't because i was you know i was with Mackenzie. i i just wanted to be off my phone and i just thought if people wanted to know they would message me so i always thought well no one's messaging me no one's checking in like i kind of yeah just thought wow no one cares kind of thing um which yeah when I look back I think they were just waiting for me to initiate Mm. conversations which is so silly to me like I'm not going to message five people and be like hey this is what we're doing this is what we're up to um so I think like the last 10 months I, I really have struggled um mentally not having the support I think like everything else I can you know do research on go to the doctor talk to Corey about but it's like the support you know everyone says it takes a village to raise a family or a child and I'm like where's my village like you know people say you have to outsource as well like you can't just wait for people to come to you but um yeah when you're suffering mentally like I already have suffered with anxiety and depression in the past so I definitely have had some postnatal depression anxiety and I definitely think yeah I looking back now I should have initiated more but also like I wasn't in the headspace to be like hey, guys, come for a visit. And, like, I was still very resentful about the people who did come over and visit and didn't help the way I thought or mm-hmm. which, again, kind of on me I should have verbalised, hey, please bring food. Like, it's not on everyone else as well. I totally agree with that. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still, like, really, I was really resentful for a while for other people who didn't help as much as I expected, I think. So that's what I've struggled with, the... Um, The support aspect.
0: Mm. And I think it's one of those things like you don't really realize until you experience it yourself and then I think Mm. back to all my friends who had kids babies before me and I'm like oh my god I feel like I could have been so much better for them like after then experiencing it so it's just like yeah 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 Yeah. I don't have
1: any friends like in Townsville who have had babies um, before me like where I was around when they were babies but now like um, the friends that I do have who haven't had kids yet i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be the best friend when you guys have kids because i know exactly what you're gonna want so like you know but i think to myself like where was the attitude that attitude for all my friends who had kids towards Mm. me like no one i feel like no one wanted to help me in that way um Mm. yeah that was hard
0: yeah and i think as well like it comes down to people's like level of self-awareness i guess like Mm -hmm. i don't know like i'm i've I um, feel like I'm similar, that I'm just like, oh, my God, I know what's going to be perfect for anyone who has a baby now. Like, you know, yeah. don't stay too long. Always bring food. Like, bring snacks. Like, do all yeah, the things. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess also some people just, yeah, don't care. Don't care as much. I anymore. know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, like, you know, people would send flowers. And I got, like, so many flowers um, when I was in hospital, which I – why? Like, I know some people love the, the flower idea, and that's great. Like, but, you know, I'm, i am I – that was an extra five sets of flowers that I had to keep alive as well as myself and a newborn baby. And when we loaded them into the car, you know, they all left leaves and flowers and stuff everywhere. So that I had to go back and clean that with it when I had a newborn and, and then you know they all slowly died. And that actually made me really sad watching them slowly die. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Like And you think is... about
0: like the cost of flowers, say it's usually yeah. like between fifty to eighty to hundred dollars. That's yeah. like a, that's like an epic Uber Eats voucher.
1: <laughs> I would have loved food more than the flowers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I would say to people is like if you have the money, send flowers, but don't send flowers without food. Like, don't Mm. just make it just flowers. Like, you know, send flowers and something like a care package. But, Mm. I mean, some people might disagree because some people might love the whole flower idea, but I think, Mm. like, for me personally, like, I already had a baby to take care of and myself, and I didn't want to have to clean up dead leaves and flowers Mm -hmm. and the reminder of, like, I don't know, the birth that I had was so beautiful and every day that went on it was, like, watching the flowers die it was like they were slowly I was getting further away from like the best day that I'd ever experienced and that mm. kind of made me a little bit sad too
0: um mm. I don't really know if that makes sense but no no I agree because then when you throw the like dead flowers in the bin you're like oh well they're there they're, they're it's they're, over they're, yeah they're, yeah <laughs> yeah
1: I was so sad I ended up keeping some of the ones that dried out really nicely which I've still got in Mackenzie's room in beautiful little vases like it just looks like really beautiful dried dried flowers. So I've taken a little bit from each bunch before I did throw them in the bin. Um, so that's a good reminder for me to look at. I'm like, oh, you know, you've had them since you were a baby and they look beautiful. So that, I did that. Yeah. Um, what have you found most rewarding since being a mum? I honestly think the unconditional love that a baby gives you. You can't, you can't experience that from anything else. Like, yes, my partner loves me, um, but, you know, <laughs> Mm. not the same Mackenzie does and the cuddles and watching her grow like you know working in childcare I've primarily always worked in a baby room for like eight years so you know I watch all the little milestones and the big milestones like the steps and the crawling and you know I'm a part of all of that day-to-day but it's so mindless I watch Mackenzie do that now and I am like it just my heart I can't even explain, like, I feel like only mums or dads would know, like, it just, I feel so warm and fuzzy. Mm. And I think the unconditional love and watching her grow, and she's just so fun. She's hilarious. And she's already got a little bit of, like, cheekiness in her at 10 months old and um, just all of that stuff. I just Mm. love so much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you want to go into? Um, I don't
1: think so. I think, yeah, the only thing that I would have wanted to talk about is, you know, post baby. Like, if you um, are a mum listening to this, or a new mum, or a pregnant mum, or, you know, pregnant, like a dad who's, you know, about, or a dad, a man who's about to become a dad, <laughs> um, you know, I think if you're listening to this, ask for support and ask for help before it gets too late, because I guarantee you're going to be too overwhelmed. Like, in the days after you have your bub to be like hey please can i like have some help because yeah i think you really need to like have a good support system and i don't think i'm ever going to have another one like i don't want to use this embryo next time until i have you know good support system around me because i don't want to go through this again until
0: yeah yeah like you can plan it out a bit better and know what you need next time yeah yeah exactly yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Grace. And this has been such a great chat. Um, sorry. Thanks for having <laughs> me. My toddler's coming <laughs> to the door. Can you hear mummy, mummy?
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs>